diversity of thought it in in my opinion is something that as a founder you can create whether you're a sole founder or you bring people into the business the road of an entrepreneur is guaranteed to be askew and there are always big questions to overcome how are tech founders bootstrapping their way to the top while spending money from their own pockets how do they scale a startup that is prime for a successful exit yet still remain profitable these are the types of questions that this podcast will help answer and it will shine light onto the livelihood of entrepreneurs the good the bad the ugly and the dirt in between my name is jim barnish and welcome to the dirt i think our guest today may be one of the most genuine and creative revenue operations leaders that i've ever come across after earning his stripes at major tech companies like Microsoft and HP, he built an incredible RevOps practice at Tribridge, a high-growth tech company that had a nine-figure exit. In 2020, he used this wealth of knowledge to start his own tech consulting firm, once again focused on the world of RevOps. Did I mention he's also a kick-ass musician? Uh, and well, I guess I've already kind of inflated his ego at this point and also probably said RevOps a few too many times. <laughs> <laughs> CEO and founder of Congruent X, Chuck Ingram, welcome to the dirt. Thank you, Jim. I'm happy to be in the dirt. <laughs> <It's been> dirty. <laughs> That's right. And, and, and I am every day. <laughs> yeah. Aren't, aren't we all when we're building business? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, so Rev, RevOps, Revenue Operations. Um, Talk to me about what that means for for you and Congruent X. So it's it's interesting. A, a lot of people, you know, I'm a CRM guy, right? I've I've spent my you know the last uh, twenty plus years of my career in in CRM, and thankfully it was a good decision. There's some tailwinds, and um, people have companies have been more interested in getting closer to their customers, so they bought more CRM and it's grown, but it, it's not really worked out for always for people. I think it's 50%, depending on who you talk to. I think that's the average that people aren't satisfied. And and that just didn't really sit with me and the folks who ultimately became my partners in this business and now the people who work with us. So um, we tried something different and and it's it's working out extremely well from a customer success perspective. And it's interesting. One of our core things is people and technology and one of the it sometimes it's not just the tech and it, you'll you'll get a call from a client says i want a crm maturity assessment and yes it you can ask questions about the data and how you're using the data and things like that but part of it can be how you're organized so revops is at least in my simple mind is how you organize yourselves around success and in the past firms have have kept like there'd be a sales operations team, a marketing operations team, and a, a service operations team that all manage those systems. But the customer doesn't know who to talk to. <laughs> they, they, they're going to, they, these processes go across those silos. So while it's still best practice to keep those organizations having their own P&Ls and things like that, there's, there's certainly a trend of having a CRO living on top of that and underneath it, having a RevOps structure where the people who look after those systems are thinking about not just their processes, but the other processes. So like the marketing person and the sales leader are thinking in terms of, hey, I've got this lead that we can turn into an opportunity, which will turn into a customer. And the service person can think of how they can take care of that customer. Makes yeah. sense? It makes tons of sense. I mean, you know, the uh, seen time and time again in all sizes of business, you know, sales and marketing in complete misalignment, right? Um, and not to say that having everyone focused on RevOps and and driving revenue, which is ultimately both sides' goal, is is um, is is a uh, automatic fixer. But mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, I mean, it's it's certainly something that um, would drive alignment as long as they're focused on you know getting to the same KPIs, if you will. Um, Absolutely. One yeah. that I one that I, I I've seen time and time again is marketing focused on MQLs, sales focused on SQLs, and nothing that meets them. In the middle, right? Um, mm -hmm. Do you see that a lot? And any insight in terms of you know how you guys go about fixing some of those opportunities? 
Um, yeah, it, 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 the way we think of it is there are four lenses. One is the data, um, which, you know, kind of you start at the bottom of the pyramid, you got silo data, then you want to, you have cleaner data, then you get forms over data, which is what most people think of as CRM success. To your point, that doesn't mean you're going to have success in, in taking that person who's interested in turning them to a happy customer. So there's there's that element is the the data and what can you what are we doing with the data? The other element is the tech stack. And I say tech stack, but it could be one system, it could be Salesforce or Microsoft, but a lot of times it's a few things. And that's okay as long as the people who are looking after it are working together hence the conversation about revenue operations. So you know, if you have siloed operations, you're going to think in silos. So getting people aligned and starting at the top from almost like a business canvas and getting people to think about that alignment and aligning the, the people in the organization with the go-to-market. And then there's the last filter is actually the humans, the people. And if we aren't taking, looking at the people and what they're trying to do to help the client, and we're not either for the, the client or the person who's serving the client, if we're not ma- helping them get what they may, they need, make it easy and make it enjoyable, we're going to struggle across you know, none of the metrics, close rates, any of that thing is not going to be successful because uh, we have to, to, to help the technology to enable the clients and the, the people. Yeah, the, the people, not the resources. I've heard you say that for, <laughs> yeah, that's for a sure. long time, Chuck. Yeah, that's, we have a, that's part of uh, part of your brand, right? It is. We say we 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 say and we we walk out people, not resources, both from a um a, an internal perspective. We don't have resources, we have humans. They buy houses, they have babies, they uh, they grow, they have bad weeks, they have bad days. <laughs> uh, they're people, they're humans that work for us, which is interesting because there, there's a dynamic in the marketplace of like this whole gig economy and that kind of thing. And that, yeah, fine, but we we want people that like the culture and they feel like they're a part of something a little bigger themselves that they get as much energy out of as they're putting into and and that's not a resource. That's a person. Resources, technology, and things like that. So it's people, not resources for us. We also say we don't say projects. We say we have clients. We do engagements for clients, but we don't say we don't really even use the word project or resource. <laughs> yeah, that's that. And and from what I hear, you're uh, you've also got another model with clients, which is 10x ROI, or you're doing something wrong. Uh, and that's right. <laughs> that is incredible to hear, right? It's like partnership, right? Real, real partnership and real, real goals around um, getting there. Uh, uh, you, you mentioned um, uh, another time to me: onboard, adopt, achieve is part of that philosophy. You mind mm-hmm. speaking, speaking to what that means? Onboard, adopt, achieve. Yeah, and it, it, it's funny. It, it, it kind of feels like common sense if you were to start from scratch. And let's say if we went, we walked back for like 20 years and we, we were able to bring our, our phone with us, iPhone, you know, S22 or whatever we have. And we went into a a project kickoff for something like CRM or ERP, something like that. The interesting thing is if we threw our iPhone on the table and started showing people things, they would freak out. Wow. You can talk to it and it, it could do all, it would be amazing. But then if you looked at the whiteboard, the way they do the project is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a little bit of innovation with Agile, but still, it's a it's still a, a battle of driving a whole bunch of features into a short period of time and then hoping people can consume those features after the project is over. And like I said, not my words, ask Gartner, Forrester, those guys, it's 50% success. So... 50% as an Uber driver getting people to the airport is not okay. Um, <laughs> 50% landings for an airplane is not, you don't want scratched up wings 50% of the time. Doctor, the guy limping out 50% of the time is not okay. So we said there's got to be a different way. And there are frameworks out there of that work for this kind of stuff. You know, the, 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 the term low friction land 
is is a hot term and it works it truly works where you give people what they need to be successful to start with then you can you can expand on that you listen for how things are going you help them adopt it and then you can expand on that and ultimately help them achieve and for us it it turns into a subscription for us so it and our simple way that we think of it is onboard adopt and achieve there's some subsets in steps in there but instead of do big project and leave the dr seuss way of saying it is onboard adopt and achieve and um it's worked great we have a Two weeks ago, I was on a phone with a call a client that said they had, and they, they're a startup, but they had 8X'd their business in two years. They went from like eight employees to like 40. And they say that together we built tech that was enabling their people and, and helping us to grow that, to grow that business that way. And we couldn't have done that. I mean, we're pretty good at CRM. We've been doing this for a long time, but we couldn't have done that in a project. We had to be a partner with them, working alongside of them, almost like advising at the same time, supporting the the client. And we're, we're getting outcomes together. That's yeah. That, I mean, eight, eight X that's incredible. That's incredible. Right. And and the, the, the way that you speak to partnership and, and clients, not projects, you know, um, really resonates, I'm sure, with a lot of folks as as customer success and customer experience and churn reduction and things like that are all problems or opportunities mm-hmm. that you see within a lot of technology companies. Um, y- you've uh, y- you've got this thing called CX Plus that's also part of that or CX Pulse, sorry, CX Pulse. <laughs> you mind speaking a little bit to how that ties into that same um, philosophy? Yeah, so you know, and and you and I work work together at a former company, awesome company in the past, and and some of the things we do now, we we talked about then and tested and things like that. And one of the challenges when you're thinking through, okay, if I want to stay with the client, this it seems like a subscription is a good idea. On the surface, it does, but then when you start to unpack it, you start to go, okay, am I just financing the project I was going to do anyway and stretching it out? So when you challenge yourself to deliver 10X, you start to think of things that you would do beyond what X person can do for X dollars per hour. And you start to think about, okay, we know this progression of onboard adopt and achieve will work. How do we add more value in that? And one of the things is listening. And we listen as people, so we have scheduled times that we get back together that are not to build something. They're to listen and to talk about what we wanted to do together to start with and course correct or add to things and that that sort of thing. And we also listen um, through mechanically, through digitally, through technology. And, and Pulse is, is a solution that actually has three components. Uh, one is we're still working on, but and it's, it's related to automation of tracking of outcomes. The first two are in, in production right now, if you will. It sort of listens to the client's environment. And the simple stuff is if something breaks, it, it, it tells us so we can fix it so the client doesn't have to experience extra downtime and things like that. So it, it, it listens for that. It also listens for usage. So if if I'm using data from a data lake that lives in Azure and or using consuming Azure s- services, it listens to that and measures if I'm using too much. So that way I don't have to pay an extra fee to um, Microsoft and I can manage my load balance things. The other thing it listens for is adoption is for who's using what, how they're using it, and um, eventually where they get stuck. So it, it listens for that. And as I mentioned, the, the, the last thing we're, we're working on is aligning the, the outcomes that we talked about with what people are doing a little bit more digitally. Right now we do it a, a lot with just working with the client. The, uh, the term that um, we always used to refer to it as, and and that I you know, I think is starting to become a little more popular, that connects that is this subscription or membership economy, right? Um, 
which you're right. We, we did try to do a lot of that at Tribridge. Some of it, some mm-hmm. of it really worked really well. Uh, and a lot of it's working really well for you. Uh, right. Um, what can you, um, just speak to that and, and what is this thing called the membership economy? Well, the, the membership economy is, uh, technically give, giving full credit. I think the books back there, uh, Robbie Kelman Baxter, um, one of our leaders at Tribridge, uh, Jeff Lynn, uh, somehow told me about the book and I read the book and then he was excited about Robbie and he had her in and I got to know her and quasi stalked her. <laughs> and um, I've talked to her a couple times since, but what, what she got me thinking in terms of not just a subscription to stretch out the project into a subscription or, or a financial thing, but more of, of thinking about how people who, joined our subscription are members of something they're 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 getting more back out of it than they're putting into it over time like our 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 friends that i talked about earlier where instead of us just doing a project we've been a partner to them and you know they they would say that we help them grow 8x so that's the do you get more from netflix than the 30 bucks a month. If I had to go to all those movies, it would cost me a whole bunch of money. And I, I kind of feel like I'm, you know, I, I'm my friends and, and I talk about the things I see on Netflix and things like that. So there's a, a little bit of community involved in it. So we're, we're trying to build not just a financial thing, but a, almost a community of folks that are aligned around bringing people in tech together to, for, for success. Yeah, that's uh Shout out to Robbie. Shout out to Jeff there. Yes. Um, and ultimately, Both. shout out to anyone that's <laughs> that's that's really living by that philosophy because you know a lot of companies think just by spacing out their revenue, financing, if you will, that that makes them a subscription company that that makes them um, a lot more valuable to the industry. And it's it's not about the way you get paid, right? It's about mm-hmm. the way that you provide an experience and the way that you treat your customers um, in, in many cases alongside of that. And, you know, we, um, we obviously had a, have a lot of lessons learned there in, in ourselves, but, you know, one of what, what is it without really getting down in the dirt? <laughs> what, what, are there any things in particular that, you know, things you tried or, you know, mindsets you had to overcome to, to get to this point as it relates to um, being, you know, membership forward, being CX forward? Oh, it's interesting enough is is what work has worked for us the best is not to just say subscription, 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 subscription up front. And, hey, we've got this cool model and you get 10x. Mm-hmm. We it, it seems like that especially folks who are trying to get more value out of their technology than they're getting right now, they need some wins. They need something to go in the right direction and somebody to and go on a call and and maybe instead of say so so many sales questions we we just start helping them there and i think we have one of our customers in our in our videos actually said that from the very first call and i'm doing air quotes mm-hmm. you know they started helping us and I, we had we we win we want to show our clients a new baseline up front with something small and and get them turned in the right direction. And that is above all the thinking and believe me, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of thinking on the subscription, but above everything else is just the, the concept of getting a client aware that there's a new potential baseline that they can have in working with a technology and in success partner. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It does. We've built some frameworks around that. One of them uh, is sort of, uh, we call it get CRM right. And we have another one that's very similar, but it's a, it's around low code called get low code, right? We have one called get cloud, right? But they're, they're all sort of the same framework where we borrow from some of our heroes where theory of constraints, you know, you don't blow up the factory if the factory's not working. You find the machine that's the constraint. So we find the thing. We bring the business and the IT together. We find the things where there's digital friction in their process. We make that a priority. 
we focus on it, we prototype really fast. So everybody sees that we can be successful together. We come up with three or four of them. We solve for one right away. Then we solve for the next, then the next, then the next. And that becomes our relationship with the client. That uh, the experts in the experts in RevOps here and uh, ultimately um, creating a ton of value, whether that's 8x or 10x or 20x for their clients, Congruent X. Um, Chuck, how, how does that relate to your own business and the build the business that you've been building over the last couple of years in terms of, you know, your own RevOps? Well, the good news um, to your point is, is we're a bootstrapped passionate, self-funded startup. So the good news is, is we didn't have different departments for those things. Mm. So we got to look at even our CRM is built from to help us go acquire clients, you know, identify clients, acquire clients, help them be successful, serve them. And it, it's our systems are all work together because not necessarily because we're so smart, but we we thought of them from a RevOps perspective. Like we thought of them because there was no departments for marketing and the, we, we brought them all together. I think the, the beauty of that is you can take some of that approach to a larger organization and there's structures that that absolutely work there that we talked about before. If you if you have a a plan for your data for your tech stat and for how you organize around that and for the, the humans, the people, then this RevOps thing can is it's just a component of that, which is interesting because it's a component that not a lot of people are. You know, it, it's got, got buzz, but it's not, I don't think it's gotten across the chasm in any way mm. yet. A, a lot of people I'm talking to are just considering it, but it's a great next step for a lot of clients where, okay, we've got some pretty decent adoption in our CRM, but we want to drive towards outcomes. RevOps is a great next step for a lot of people. Let's, let's organize ourselves around success. Yeah, I, that, uh, that outcomes, not just output or outcomes, not just projects, hours. right? <laughs> outcomes, not just hours. Yeah. All, all of those things is, is, um, at least what I've found, you know, um, one of the curses around the word consulting, cause there's so many mm-hmm. firms out there that, that just focus on the project that just focus on, um, you know, ultimately getting the work and, and it gives consulting firms a bad, a bad name at the end of the day. Um, so hearing you talk about outcomes, hearing you talk about, you know, goals of the client um, is is awesome to hear. Are, th- are there any are there any certain specific outcomes or pain points that that lead you to the best outcomes that um, folks can be listening to to say, hey, I got to call Chuck. <laughs> well, I, I, the the question that it seems like I hear the most we're we're really 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 big on ideal client profiles and because of the way our business works we we kind of have three but the 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 main person is a, a a sort of IT executive um we 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 he has a name in our <laughs> and and uh you know we we've, we've got his background and that kind of thing and basically he's trying he's but the world has changed in the last two years and the business is asking questions that is tech stack can't answer, especially from a front office perspective, especially around, you know, helping my sales service and marketing people be successful. And so uh, the business is asking questions. My CRM can't answer. Mm-hmm. And that we have worked hard on how to get people successful on that one. And it usually involves us, starting let's let's start with the the primary constraint what if the marketing people and the salespeople have a common problem that we can solve because they haven't been talking they're not organized that way to talk and we we can build a solution identify the problem get people talking do design thinking get people working together and prototype things together in that first month get some wins and and start driving success so the you know get that inertia is a hard thing to fight and one of the things we want to do is at least sort of slow that and negative inertia down and get things, get some wins for our, our clients. And then it accelerates from there, the other direction. 
And what what types of outcomes are you seeing other than other than obviously great ROI? You know, <laughs> what, what 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 other outcomes are you seeing? Um, we're seeing people with um, much higher close rates. Mm-hmm. We're seeing people. Well, and and let me start um, if I can backward. If you make the thing the person is trying, if you start with the business plan, then start with the go to market and then look at the things people are trying to do and help them make it, help them get what they need, make it easy and make it enjoyable. Then, then the other things come. So you got to pick the right things. Then you got to help them, you know, figure out the digital friction and how to alleviate that. And when that happens, forecast accuracy is better, you know, client satisfaction is better. And we, we, we have a whole bunch of benchmarks that we've started tracking over the last three years. And we've seen upticks across literally everything, you know, um, LTV, you know, customer satisfaction, um, people not get fired from the IT team because they can't keep up. You know, those, <laughs> all of those things are, are going extremely well. It's, uh, it's amazing how the business is, uh, is always connected to each other, right? So you drive one outcome and, and ultimately it drives another. And especially if you start with the most critical outcome and, and pain points to focus on first, right? Um, you know, the, yeah, it, oh, sorry, go, go ahead, Chuck. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say it's interesting, Jim, is, is a lot of times, and I'm a big fan of the, the book, The Goal and Theory of Constraints. A, a lot of times it's like that story. And in the story, if you don't, if the folks that are listening don't know, it's about a factory that uh, is a business book that's a, a novel. And it's about a, a factory that's not going well. They get a new a guy running the, the factory or, or a guy that's promoted. And um, he's, he's got to try to figure out what's wrong. And that's the way a lot of clients, their position is, even if they're trying to buy something new, sometimes they think that the, the answer to their problem is to buy a new set of technology. And it could be, but you still have to go through the exercise of, where where are the people tra- getting stuck? Your pe- your customers and your and your team members getting stuck, and where can we alleviate the digital friction? And uh, we have a really big firm now that's gone through a you know RFP and all kinds of stuff, and and um, without getting into too many details, that narrative has changed their direction and their course so that you know still have the rfp and stuff we we we're just doing a something different with them on the side to help make sure they get value out of what they're doing mm-hmm. and the the deeper the strategy the the deeper the roots right you got to get the foundation right which sounds like it's a big part of of what you guys of what you guys start with yeah it kind of feels like um and it it it's not secret sauce but it 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 feels like it's a basic but a lot of times an organization and regrettably with with covid and so forth some of the water cooler stuff has not happened for a couple of years and it feels like people are more while they're on the phone on zoom calls and teams calls all day they're more disconnected mm-hmm. so a lot of times having that first week be getting people together that live in different worlds, but both have the same goals together, talking about how they can be successful, what their constraints are. It's, it's pretty compelling. And you can tell that maybe they were talking two years ago, but you can tell it's the the current structure. They're not talking like they used to talk. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the founder and company culture, uh, just in general, whether it's small founder-led company or a larger one, um, if you're not talking, you don't have you know strong ties on strategy and culture. Um, and the roots, if you will, aren't strong and healthy. The chances of survival and growth are a lot lower, right? It it is. We um we had our our leadership, you know, let's say founders meeting the last couple of days and. Even though my founders have been my friends for uh, 10 years, we still went through five dysfunctions of a team for a part of it. It's, you can't 
you, it's just like when LeBron James or Michael Jordan or whomever goes to basketball practice in the, before the season starts, they, they, you start under the basket doing layups and then you go out a little further and we have to all, at least in my opinion, think that way there, you can't assume, um, some of those basics. So culture is the, you know, and, and, and five dysfunctions trust but for us, the people and culture are, are, which starts with trust is, is the bottom of the pyramid. It sure does. It sure does start with trust. And, um, one of the people who, who helped me the most in thinking about that, right. And, and, you know, making sure that everything around trusting the team and trusting partners came through was, uh, my exec coach, Mike Smith, who I know you've also worked with and was on our podcast a couple, couple episodes <laughs> ago. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience and in, in journey in getting a coach and how that, you know, how that went? Well, I, it's funny. I, the, the, I actually saw you say something about it in social media and I was like, man, I wonder if that would help me. And I, 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 you know, I pinged you and we talked and you had done a fairly exhaustive, uh, search and I have a lot of trust in you. I had a conversation with coach Mike and, um, my, what I wanted to work on with, um, coach Mike was, I've always had this philosophy of, of lean into your strengths and, and it's worked awesome in the past as a founder. It can be different though. You, you do have to look at, you know, work on your, your blind spots. And what I've been working on with coach Mike is mostly my blind spots. And he's, uh, been a really an advisor in a lot of ways. And he always has ideas on what, you know, Hey, okay. If you, if you think this is going to play out, maybe you can try this. So identifying patterns before they happen that you, you, you feel are your blind spots. And of course he's awesome at helping you exaggerate your strengths. Like we all love to do, but that's, and it's also a, um, you know, you can go home and talk with your spouse that uh, you can talk to your best friend, but they maybe don't, you know, my spouse is a nurse. Uh, you know, my, my, my friends are, are um, a lot of them are coaches of, of soccer teams and things like that. But coach Mike, he understands business. He works with a lot of other founders. So he has some context to help you think things through. So I, I really have um, treasured that relationship. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. If anyone's looking for an exec coach, Mike Smith, happy to put you in touch with him or just listen to episode 10 because it was it was quite uh, insightful as well. Um, mm -hmm. The um, you know, th this whole this whole aspect around culture, I know, has always been so important to you. And you've mentioned people and and humans and and so many things along those lines. Um, and uh, founders oftentimes have a hard time being human themselves. <laughs> they feel like they need they 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 need to be superhuman in 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 almost every facet of of the word. Because you know, if I put on a face, you know, it's everything great. I got to make sure my team thinks everything's great. You know, mm -hmm. but we've all hit a low point in running a business, and and you've got humans on your team, just as you mentioned, and. And it's okay to be human yourself. Do you have any any low points that you reached in running the business, or any any human uh, slash superhuman moments that you had to work your way through that um, that listeners can learn from? Hmm. So, um, I know one thing we tried to avoid on the the, and we intentionally worked on culture. I'll start with that, and it's you know we we. Our team is our people who serve our clients through their knowledge. They're consultants, and they we help people uh, use the technology to to achieve their goals. We we marry the humans with the technology for a, a good purpose. And um, one of the challenges that's always existed in in consulting is if you work with a challenging client, their culture can become your culture and you can have unhappy people. And we've worked really hard both to work with amazing clients and also to help people to feel like there's, they work with us, you know, we work together. So like every day we have lunch together, even though we're digital, we're remote. 
we pay taxes in 20 something states <laughs> and um we we have we all have lunch together just like we all had uh cubicles or offices or whatever and we come together and it's a very informal thing we throw paper at each other we talk about what we're doing where we, where we need help things like that i don't make a speech it's um it's us having lunch together and yeah the, there are topics where we learn together about things but you know we we have a very intentional custom uh, culture around that and another thing that helps us is the nature of our subscription business is you don't necessarily work with just one client for ever. So that's, that's one thing. Um, that's an intentionally we focused on, I think from a, from a founder's perspective, the, the challenge is always taking that next level in scale. How did it, you know, like you, you know, like if you're, um, you were always doing something, how do you teach that person to do it, but let them have, uh, the freedom to put in the their, their what they can bring to it, you know, whether it's sales or um, consulting or whatever it is, is is how to bring those the next few people in with enough of a framework to or will it always be congruent X, but at the same time give the person and or the team members the freedom to um, bring their own special talents to to the situations but it, those are the things that are the, that are the hardest because it you know some people want a detailed framework uh, and, and almost like a process and some people are going to come in and they feel like they've done something very similar and they, they'd like a, a blank canvas so it like a lot of things it, it kind of feels like it when we can get to a, a middle ground where we can provide the framework that we know works and have that person adopt that as a foundational thing we it, it it seems to work the best yeah well you, you you talk about frameworks with with clients and you talk about frameworks internally so you clearly eat your own dog food there <laughs> i need them um, i need them <laughs> yeah I mean, don't 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 we all right and that balance between um you know uh heavy heavy scripting right and 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 no foundation is really frameworks, right? Enough enough room for people to be themselves and make something theirs, but also enough there there um, so that they're comfortable and they're doing things the way that you, the founder, want them to. Um, it, was, it was interesting. I had a, oh, yeah. I, I had a conversation with a team member the other day that was like, I, yeah, sometimes uh, I'm on these calls and everybody has an opinion and and I, I, I want to get my point across. And and, you know, I'd listen for a while and I said, you know, here's something that at least it works for me. And I have this storytelling framework that I use and I, I shared it with him and I think he uses it. So, it, <laughs> um, and, and we, we use that, interestingly enough, we use that same framework to unpack our messaging, which is, and it's cool that those things can be plugged into, into multiple things. So if you're one, you have a meeting where you have two weeks runway with a, whether it's a client or a prospect or whatever, you, you, you have a framework, or if you just get called into a situation very quickly and you have to communicate an idea, you can still use that framework to, to unpack things. Is that the, uh, I know you guys use a lot of design thinking tools. Is that the storytelling matrix? Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, sort of the, um, the, the, uh, Donald, um, sorry, I can't think of his name. <laughs> Donald Miller. Uh, the storytelling framework where it's almost like the, like in star Wars where um, the hero can never be us. Mm. The hero is always our client. We're just the guide. We're just helping. So the, 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 the client is the hero. The person we're talking about is the hero. They run into an, an issue or an obstacle. They meet a guide, the guide gives them a plan and they go on to, to be successful and that success has implications and the failure has implications if they don't make a change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the changes that we see as founders are unreal <laughs> uh, in, in, in the business. And obviously, and you mentioned ICP, ideal client profile and learning more about what that needs to be and evolving it. Um, You've got co-founders, right? I've got co-founders, part, part, partners, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
what um you know what's different about building a business with partners and co-founders than than just simply being the guy or being the woman in in your in your perspective well i've never started a business by myself um but at this at what i would say i can tell you what the advantage are is mm -hmm. are is is the the folks i co-founded the business with um Chris Cognetta, Avi Gupta, and Mike Kalk are all really good at all the things that I'm terrible at. Um, and I think they may say that <laughs> each other, we're good at the things that we're, we're you know, we, we have our strengths and each other are good at, uh, at the things we're not as good at. And um, there's a Doris Kearns Goodwin book called um, about Lincoln, where he hired a lot of his enemies to be in his cabinet and uh, and uh, these guys aren't my enemies in any stretch of the imagination but they think differently and it's in, that diversity of thought it in in my opinion is something that as a founder you can create whether you're a sole founder or you bring people into the business that is a little tougher to do in a corporate structure because you got to get who you get and um, you 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 serve a whole lot of folks' agendas there, but in this situation, we can sort of optimize around our team and what our team is awesome at. Well, you mentioned you mentioned a great point there, right? Like knowing your strengths, finding people to augment those strengths who have other strengths, mm -hmm. and whether it's with co-founders, you know, from the from day one, or um, what we run into a lot, which is a founder that needs to find the right COO or needs to find the mm -hmm. right you know, CRO, whatever, whatever it is that needs augmentation of them at the executive level once they hit two, three, five, 10, 20 million in revenue um, is, uh, is equally, if, if, if not more challenging <laughs> to find that in, in place. Um, you know, when you're, where you guys are at and what you're looking to achieve over the next few years, are there any, are there any key roles that any key types of um, new folks that, that you're keeping an eye out there for? Um, we have just added some sales capacity and a couple of fantastic sales professionals. And one of the reasons there is like if in the uh, traction model, you know, I, I serve as a CEO, but I'm kind of, I serve in that visionary role in the traction model. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we want me to, to be able to do more is not necessarily be on all the sales calls, although I love doing it, but to to try to build some of those bigger relationships that will grow the firm to the next level and create those next offerings that will grow the firm to the next level. And that's, you know, that's one step that we've made. And interesting on your other point is we, we kind of did that part, the, the, uh, the COO and all those things, we kind of did that backwards. Like we just started with those things and we figured out how to, to bootstrap from that core, those four pillars we felt were in place. Well, you know, somebody was focused on the revenue, somebody was focused on the people, somebody was focused on the technology and somebody was focused on the operations. We put those, uh, I don't know if people are always able to do this, especially bootstrap, but we put those people in place at first, and then we're building on top of that with people who have skills in certain areas. And, and sales is certainly one that we want to uh, work on growing. That's yeah, that, that's terrific. And you guys are, you guys are grow growing quite well. Uh, it's going I'm, pretty well. It's, and and I'll, I'll say the the fun part about our growth is the client success. And it's like, if you, if you don't sales is stories and if you don't have the stories, you can't grow. And if your, your logo slide is, is um, say, no, don't, you know, you can't call those folks or <laughs> you don't have uh, successful stories in those. It's, it's super hard, but I, I've never talked to a firm and I, I, I say this as humbly as possible that had a percentage of not just happy clients, but extraordinarily successful clients is what we're seeing in this model. And that's not nothing to do with me. It's, you know, I'm, I'm just the Pied Piper or whatever here. <laughs> it's our team that's driving that. But I've not seen that uh, both from a um, client satisfaction and it turns into a financial 
good financial model as well. Yeah, growth, 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 growth. Um, mm -hmm. Always client and partner first. That's uh, it's the name of the game. You serve your clients well, and uh, everything else is easy. You serve your team right. well, who serve your clients well. Uh, is probably a better way to even put it. Um, That's where we start as a yep. team. The team is uh, they, they are they are absolutely amazing. That's that's so great. Um, you know, at, at at this time of the show, we uh, you know, listeners know this, but this is new to you, Chuck. Uh, we um, <laughs> do a series of five like rapid fire questions. Um, called the Founder Five in in under a minute. And um, so I got a few questions for you that I'm hoping we can we can push through almost Family Feud style. Um, yeah, let's go. <laughs> number one, what's the what's the top metric or KPI that you're relentlessly focused on? For for us, that's easy. It's new client ads, um, especially new client ads that fit our ideal client profile. We awesome. we're yeah. Go go ahead. I'll I'll allow you to elaborate on that. One. <laughs> you got some more to add. Well, what what we've seen is that if we can identify folks that are that fit our ideal client profile ID, i.e., we would be fantastic partners to work together. We can start with something super duper small and it ends up being um, awesomeness from day one and it just grows. So new client ads, the, it just that that's the food of the that it helps the, the fuel that helps the business grow. Sales cures all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the top top tip for growth stage founders like yourself. Um, ideal client profile. I think if we did not do that early on, we would have a lot of trouble. We would, you know, be chasing everything. We wouldn't be able to speak to people's pain quickly and calls and our sales cycles would be stretched out. We, what we want to do is drive, is be able to share insights, not just say, tell me about your business. And so I see ICP um, part two of that is a dream 100. And that's something that has accelerated our business. I think it's, um, it's by a guy named Chet Holmes is an old book, but it basically, we look at our ideal client profile and where do they go? Where do they congregate? Who do they respect? And then the Dream 100 are those folks, influencers, consultants, um, industry leaders, that kind of thing, you know, software publisher uh, leaders at Microsoft or, and that kind of thing. Um, that's the Dream 100. So ideal client profile and then look at the Dream 100 or the people that they, where they go, where they congregate. Awesome. Favorite uh, book or podcast that's helped you grow, which you may have already partly mentioned in that last answer, <laughs> but you got another yeah. one for us? I got uh, uh, two that I, I can't not mention. Um, I love to to talk about Ray Wong, and I've, I've had one conversation with him, and he's such an awesome guy. He was, he's just so giving of his knowledge, but um, both of his books have been fantastic. One about digital transformation and customer expectation shifts. And uh, the the later one that he just wrote is about competing with digital giants is especially um, applicable today. And there's another similar one, um, but different by a guy named Jim McKelvey uh, called the Innovation Stack. And I, I, I refer back to that book almost every day, it feels like, and, and talking with people. And, and basically, he and a guy named Jack Dorsey, who you might know from Twitter, they founded a company called Square. And like three years into their journey, the Amazon copied their product. Right? <laughs> and uh, they, they, they figured out that they warded off that um, attack by having a series of innovations that were stacked up that couldn't be easily replicated. Awesome. What uh, what actor would play you in a movie? Uh, I I wish it would be somebody like um Matthew McConaughey, some sort of southeastern, slow talking type, <laughs> but 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 hopefully pretty smart guy. But I I don't know if I would get that lucky to get somebody like that to play me. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's brother, you got it. <laughs> uh, yeah, his, I think he's an uh, uncle. <laughs> uh, last one. What is going to be the title of Chuck Ingram's autobiography? Well, I, I will at some point write a book called Get CRM Right. Um, 
but the 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 autobiography I don't think it has would have a name, but it'd have something in it about service, um, learning, and just being relentless and how that can add up to hopefully success, but if not happiness. Servant leadership. Love it. What a great way to close us off. And and you've given so much to our listeners today, Chuck. Um, time for a little bit of self-promotion on how others might be able to help you. How can, <laughs> how can those listening help out you and the squad at Congruent X? Um, if you know someone who f- fits that little ideal client profile that I talked about before, somebody who maybe they sit in the IT department, they... Um, They've made some investments in tech, but they can't, they feel like they can't keep up with what the business is asking for. They're not getting a return on investment on the tech, especially related to customer CRM and that marketing, that service, that kind of thing. We, we have a pretty, pretty good model to be able to help those folks. So if you know somebody like that, or if you are one of those folks, um, happy to help. And you can also if you live on the business side of the house and you want to better partner with your IT folks, we can work from that angle as well very successfully. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of folks that hear this and either know someone or they themselves <laughs> are, are in need of the Chuck Ingram Congruent special. So, um, you know, on, on that note, um, just what, how can listeners get, get in touch with you? What's the best way to, to contact you? Uh, Chuck at Congruent X. Uh, we purposely, um, when we started it, we used our first name for <laughs> our email. So Chuck at congruentx.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to congruentx.com and you can actually go to getcrmright.com to learn more as well. Terrific. All right, Chuck, thanks again for joining us on The Dirt. Have a wonderful day. You too, Jim. Thanks for inviting me. If you loved today's episode of The Dirt, make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really liked us, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in to The Dirt.